0: Greetings, my friend, and welcome to Beyond Curious, conversations with brave adventurers like yourself that are taking voyages into the unknown to satisfy their curiosity, fulfill their purpose, and bring their ideas to life. I'm Brandon Fong, and I am beyond excited to have you here, whether you are a new friend or an old friend. And I'm also beyond excited to introduce you to today's guest, Brooke Casanova.
1: The only way questions transform people is if, one, you don't have an agenda. You have no idea what they're going to say. And two, the purpose of the question is not just for you to know about them, but to also give them an opportunity to receive revelation about themselves.
0: If you couldn't tell from that audio clip, Brooke and I are in love with asking effective questions, and I'm super excited to introduce you to Brooke. So let me read her bio. After consulting companies and helping them focus on the scaling principles needed to get their success target, Brooke outgrew her work and realized that there was different people that she needed to serve in a different way to serve them. For almost a decade, Brooke had been hosting, speaking at, or attending masterminds, now over 100 events, and in every room she was curating, she was constantly looking for how she could have facilitated more magic for the attendees. Not only that, she realized that who was in these rooms were people that were trying to get to the top, but where was the room for the people at the top? those that had experienced their long-awaited after-success journey and were in vulnerable transition. As the mastermind maker, she knew this was her life's work, to create the room for the people who had been creating the rooms and experiences for everyone else. Brooke is the podcast host of the After Success podcast and the mastermind host of The Last Mastermind. Guys, I'm super excited to introduce you to Brooke. Brooke and I actually met at a live event. We were both at Benjamin Hardy's event, and we were actually both the winners of Benjamin Hardy's 10x challenge. And so it was super fun to connect with her, and we bonded immediately because of how curious or how we valued curiosity so much. So, in this episode, you're gonna learn so much, but of course, I would always love for you to look out for three specific things. Number one, why Brooke walked up to someone without knowing her at an event and started the conversation around menopause <laughs> and what that has to do with creating deeper and more meaningful conversations. Number two, how you can identify Your superpowers and zone of genius and number three Brooke's alive framework that you can use to create transformational learning experiences both in masterminds and in other experiences or in-person events that you are creating guys Brooke has become a fast friend and shout out to John Ali who told us that we needed to meet forever ago and then we ended up at a mastermind event in person and so I think you will tell very quickly why uh, Brooke and I hit it off she is a very very curious human and I was beyond excited to have her on on Beyond Curious. So without any further ado, here is my friend, Brooke Casanova. Brooke Casanova. Oh my gosh. Super excited to have you here. This is going to be a blast. Welcome to the show, my friend.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be on. It's going to be a blast.
0: Absolutely. As always, I love kicking things off with really fun stories. So I think I had heard you hint at this when you and I hung out in Park City a few weeks ago but I listened to a podcast you were on and it was super fun because you were talking about how people when they start conversations when they meet people it's typically the boring stuff right like hi who are you and what do you do (laughs) and so I would love to set up a story and you can kind of continue it from here but I think this will give us a great glimpse into who you are and your curiosity and what you do so you're at an Mm -hmm. event there's a lady you saw that you had never met and you walk up to her, and instead of introducing yourself and saying what you do, you asked her a question about menopause. <laughs> would <laughs> you mind? Would you mind giving the context behind that and why you chose to ask that question?
1: And also the social awareness that might be needed too, because yes. that's not just <laughs> a question I would ask anyone. No, this, <laughs> exactly. The first girl I went up to. Well, Mind you, this was for context sake, an entire event filled with influencers. So they had like over a hundred thousand followers. And I mean, I'm not an influencer, nor do I ever plan to be. And I just happened to be invited to this event. So I go and, you know, they're all talking and asking these questions, like, who are you? Where do you live? What do you do? And how many followers do you have? And I'm like, man, they're really not getting to like the meat of like what's really going to connect them as human beings, right? So for one woman, I just like went up, I introduced myself and I was like, Hey, what are like the top three thoughts that you went to bed thinking about last night? And were those the same three thoughts that you woke up with? Because that will tell me a lot in my mind. I was like, that's going to tell me a lot about what's on her mind, what her life is like, what she's worrying about, what she's stressed about. And then there was this other woman. I mean, that was just a simple example, a more normal example. The menopause example was because there was this woman that, She's a comedian by trade. Like she actually does her work is just providing comic relief to people. And I had overheard her in a discussion talking to some other women about how aging just gets so hard. Like your, your um, your body starts changing and all this. And and she didn't go into details about the menopause, but I was just like, Lisa. My name is Brooke. So good to meet you. I was like, okay, I have actually one question that's really important to ask you. Again, my purpose was to like drive connection through laughter, but also some like depth. And I said, so like speaking from experience, I don't know if this is from experience, that's just an assumption, but like, meeting someone like me, I'm curious, like, what are the implications of someone that goes through menopause? And what are some things that you can like actually prepare yourself for mentally before engaging in that? And she would like, loss it. Like, this is my first time (laughs) meeting me. This is her first. And she's just like, who are you? You know, and it was just, and then we just made some fun out of it. Another woman came to the group and it was so funny because after that question, there was like an entire group of like 16 women that started engaging in like how awful pre menopause was. I like left two hours later, I go back downstairs and this woman comes in because it was like this really big house. And we were all like sharing bedrooms. And she goes, I go, how was your night? Em? And she was like, Oh, it was so good. She was like, I just left the wildest conversation. I was like, what is that? She's like, they were talking about like pre menopause and they were just going off about it. And I was like, They're still having that conversation. And she's like, wait, how do you know about that? I'm like, I'm the one that started it and then left.
0: (laughs) I was the domino. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
1: Oh my gosh. This was amazing. She's like, wait, so what's your question you have for me? I'm like, well, let's go a little deeper, M. Like, what are, where do you feel like your parents went wrong and what lessons have you learned from it in marriage? Mm. And she was just like, Oh my gosh. And we, of course, love our parents and we honor them. And we talked about all the good things and all the hard lessons and what we would do and what we wouldn't do. But it was just, it's just fun to create questions that people don't often think about, nor do they answer, but they inspire connection and vulnerability. That's the lesson.
0: I love that, and I want to explore the question asking rabbit hole with you, and and just a little bit too. And I know it's coming into play massively in your work today with masterminds. Yeah. But I, I love that story for so many reasons because I think it alludes to the fact that people are just starving for depth right now. Like people want depth, but they don't quite know how to access that, and it takes like. Context and understanding of situations to really understand it. It's not. It's pretty bold to walk up to someone to talk about menopause, but you were (laughs) confident enough, knowing her context, saying the way, seeing the way that she showed up in the room, that you knew like something that would work. So I I actually have an interesting follow up to this in the sense that I know that you had, you did your master's degree in organizational leadership and emotional intelligence, and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm really curious, like how how has your study of emotional intelligence informed the way that you have been able to ask questions and and maybe even read the room and the sense that like being able to ask that question was okay and would go that well?
1: Yeah. Well, I think from like a human behavior standpoint, right. I think that people become more interesting as they're interested. And what I mean by that is like the most for like memorable people in my life have been the ones that have been engaged, have been invested and take complete ownership upon themselves to like insert themselves in my life and find out all the things that they can in order to support and serve me. And so I think that the people that are like, and this doesn't even apply to even if you're introverted, like there are parts of me that are incredibly introverted, but it applies to the fact that especially since COVID we're all, we're all starving, like you said, for depth and connection. And how refreshing is it to actually engage in conversations where you're allowing other people to actually reflect and or project things about themselves, their lives that teach them as they teach you. And, and then you have a better, you're, you just become more memorable. Now, do I do it because I want to be more memorable? No. like I think that it truly comes from a place of love. And I think that people with really high EQ, it EQ has a lot to do with self-awareness, but it also has to do with contribution. So self-awareness, one should know that that is super self-aware, that the most boring thing, the most repelling thing that you can do, whether people are conscious of it or not, is talk about yourself for more than like two or 10 minutes depending on the setting like obviously at a podcast interview that's the purpose of it but when you're in like everyday life the person that like goes on and on and on about themselves and they just love to hear themselves talk you will look at their their number of influence and the people that say yeah i actually was changed by being around so and so's presence and it's very it's very little Because there wasn't enough self-awareness. There was just a lot of self-consumption. And that's huge as it relates to EQ. And then contribution. You can only... Inspiration comes from revelation. You can't help and really... You can't really help other people unless you have the revelation to help them. And the only way you're going to get that revelation is by asking a lot of questions that will lead to answers that give you the inspiration for how to pay it forward. And so... There's so many people that have tried to help me in my life without any like context, inquisitiveness, understanding, and it's like a complete misdiagnosis. And so I think that for real contribution to happen, we have to be able to not only diagnose what their history, their present, their future goals are, but also we have to be self-aware enough to know that they're going to ask questions about me. But in that moment, it's not about me. And as I make it about other people, it always comes back tenfold. But most people don't know how to do that.
0: Yeah. I think the, the, what popped up in my head, and I don't know if I heard this somewhere, if this just kind of showed up in my head, it's like, you have to know yourself in order to see others first. It's like that self-awareness is so important because like people can tell when you're asking questions from a place of ep- emptiness or a place of like genuine curiosity. And I think that yeah. once you've gone, once you've gone deep with yourself and asked yourself some of those hard questions, it's actually easier to create the context and space for other people to open up in that space of curiosity and openness. And, you know, something else that you just said, uh, reminded me of something that you were, um, just for context, everybody listening, Brooke was on a, a panel on the final day of uh, or final day or first day, I don't remember which day it was a uh, uh, Dr. Benjamin Hardy's events. That's where we were hanging out the other day. And I actually was looking through my notes of something you said on the panel and I mm-hmm. couldn't read my handwriting, <laughs> but it, but it, but it was, I think it was related to what you had mentioned because you, you were talking about the benefit of asking questions to give to someone else, but then also Mm. asking for the potential to give the question to the world. Um, And Mm. so I'm curious to think about how you, maybe I couldn't even read my handwriting, but there was a a power to what you were saying about constructing questions that can be given to people in a way that makes transformation happen. I was curious if you could uh, expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think transformation with questions really first and foremost starts without having an agenda. Like I think most people are asking questions to control a dialogue and they're going, okay, as soon as they answer this, then I can ask that. I mean, I've, I've alluded that there's been so many, I did high ticket sales for years and there were so many times where even the high ticket sales gurus would be like, here's the script. This is what you ask. This is why this is a really good question. And I'm going, that's a terrible way to do it. Like sales needs framework and principles because you're talking to people to people, not objects. And so to go back to your question about like how questions can transform people, the only way questions transform people is if one, you don't have an agenda, you have no idea what they're going to say. And two, the purpose of the question is not just for you to know about them, but to also give them an opportunity to receive revelation about themselves. Like, if the greatest gift we can help other people to have is to learn more about themselves and the lessons they've learned and extract those in a short amount of period of time, just by based on the questions that we're asking that are different than anyone else, surely they're going to walk away a better person because they're going to go, wow, I didn't even know that I knew that, or I didn't even realize the significance of that lesson that will change the world now that I share it. But Yeah. I just think really, really good questions can't be pre-planned or premeditated. A lot of them are intuitive based on the context, the person and what it is that you feel like you genuinely, like you said, want to know. Um, and it's coming from a place of natural curiosity. Like I have, I've had a few friends over. I like to do just gatherings. Like my biggest skill set, unique ability, I would say is like this idea of being an intentional connector and gatherer, which is why I do masterminds. And one of the friends that was over here, as we were gathered, she was talking about how she was really having a teenager that was really struggling. She was like, Hey, so Brooke, like what questions do I ask them? And I was like, even if I gave you some really awesome questions, they wouldn't land. Mm -hmm. She was like, why wouldn't they land? I was like, because they're one, not coming from you. And two, they're not coming from a place of genuine interest and love. Then I asked her back, what questions do you want to know the answer to from like the bottom and soul of your heart, but you've just been too uncomfortable to ask. She's like, well, I'd love to know this and this and this. And I'm like, awesome. Ask those. And she's like, I said, why haven't you? And this is the answer that not only the mother with a struggling child responded with, but everyone in general responds with, especially like people were shocked that I asked those questions at the mastermind, but it, it's like, has nothing to do with the uncomfortability of other people. It has to do with the uncomfortability of the curiosity of the individual. Most people I've, I've, I've actually never had, maybe I've had one. But it wasn't memorable enough that it was damaging. One person actually say, hey, like, that's a little too personal what you're asking.
0: You crossed the line. (laughs) We found it. crossed (laughs) the line.
1: It's like most people are like thrilled that you're asking. And especially if the intention isn't interrogation, but it's natural curiosity and love.
0: Hmm. Okay, so you just you just inspired me to ask an uncomfortable, deep question. so I'll, I'll I'll share I'll share something that's been kind of coming online for me, and I'm curious to see how this shows up for you. So typically, when I see a superpower in someone in some way, shape, or form, it was manifested from like some form of a wound. Like you created mm-hmm. this superpower to overcome this thing. I was mm-hmm. having a conversation with a friend of mine several weeks ago, and we were talking about this shared curiosity that we have and how easy it is to ask questions and never have everyone ask anything about you and he he this this individual he's actually coming on the show so if you're a long time listener you might put the put the pieces together eventually if this connects but he had talked about how he has this little game where like he literally plays a game to see if he can have a conversation and not have them ask anything about him And then towards the end of the conversation, I was like, it's interesting because he had shared his some of his earlier childhood experiences in this conversation. I'm like, could it be that you actually developed this ability to ask questions because you were afraid of sharing more about yourself and you actually Mm. didn't want to share about yourself? And so it was in this conversation I discovered I'm like, huh, I wonder if like that's where my curiosity came from is like some For a Mm. form of being afraid to share who I was, so I got really good Mm. at putting the spotlight on other people. So I'm curious if you've explored the roots of your curiosity, if it came from like a, a, a place of needing to create a superpower to get out of a situation, or how that has shown up for you.
1: Oh my gosh, it's such a good question. I would say absolutely, it's been incredibly introspective for me. I mean, even at the age of 21, I was asking questions to other people that most people that were way more socially aware than me and had way more life experience were not asking. And it's like, why? I mean, I even remember being in the middle of like a classroom and a teacher asking me, will you demonstrate, Brooke, for the entire class what it looks like to have innate and natural and connective conversations with people? Mm. And in my mind, I couldn't even identify like framework of what I was doing. I just knew that I did it. But your question about like, where did it come from? is not something I actually visited until about five years ago. So I would say my answer might change um, as I explore myself more, but the two things that I know it comes from off the top of my head is one, my innate and natural curiosity with questions come from growing up in a home environment that didn't. So I think number one, like, so growing up my family I was like the black sheep of the family in terms of like, we didn't even have like a book in our house growing up. Wow, right? And nothing, No yeah, book, like, no Harry
0: Potter, no no kids <laughs> books, no Dr. Seuss, One Fish Two Fish Red Fish Blue Fish, nothing.
1: Right, like, well, I'm I'm sure that like my mom had some children's books a little sure, bit. But okay, reading education, um, gaining more knowledge was never a priority okay. or a value of our family culture, wow. and for me, like. I was a starving child with that, right? Like my parents are incredible humans that did like such an amazing job at raising me, and one of the one of the things that I realized though in their absence was an absence of education. And the reason that there was an absence of education was because more education and more natural curiosity. If you're not more curious, it literally stems most of the time from an insecurity. I don't want to learn more. I don't want to do more. I would have to like get in uncomfortable situations. I would have to do uncomfortable things. I'd have to travel to uncomfortable places. And for me, it was like, but how do we learn about the world outside of these four walls? Like this is, this is everything. And so for me, I just like from a very young age started asking questions outside of my home that I wasn't getting inside of my home. And that was to like people that were that were light years away in terms of like life experience and and just their philosophical views that I had never been introduced to. Most of my friends were always four to six years older than me. Mm-hmm. The reason mm-hmm. for it was just I knew that they knew more than me and I just wanted to be curious about how to extract knowledge that they had that I didn't that would benefit and bless my life. So the root cause, number one, is I would say my natural curiosity came from the fact that I was in an environment that wasn't curious. And I knew and can see now how much that stifled my progression as a human being. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I think that the second piece of where my curiosity came from has a lot to do with my quick ability to reverse engineer things. And what I mean by that is I don't pre-plan any of my questions. I go for the jugular. I like real human connection. I like depth, but I also have a lot of outcomes towards the end of every relationship. And my outcomes are usually like, how can I leave so-and-so's presence with them feeling better about themselves, the world, and their experiences? And I know that the biggest tool that i can use to form connective relationships that last that create revelation in the moment for them is through asking questions so it's actually a tool i think of networking not just to help them in their lives but i always see it reciprocated from them in them giving back and and doing things for me and i'm not doing it as a transactional relationship anymore but i would say a lot of the reason that i do it is because i I truly care about the people. I think that it's so important that I love what you recognized about yourself that like you realized it was a deflection of you as to why you were asking all the questions. You didn't want to make it about yourself. And I think for a period of time, that was partly me too. It's like, I was the go giver and like, I'll just make everything about you because I'm too insecure to talk about me. But I would say in the past year, something that I've consciously worked on, prayed for used as part of my mantra is I will be an exceptional receiver. Mm -hmm. And part of that has given people, it's giving people the space to ask me the questions or do the things for me that I wouldn't typically in the last decade have done.
0: I love that. Yeah. It's just an insight I've been working on over the past few years too. It's like you're I heard somebody say it, so I'm not going to be able to attribute it, but it's like your your capacity to give is actually limited by your capacity to receive. Like you can't, yeah. you can't, it's not, it, it can't be in balance for too long. Like you actually have to get better at accepting, which is really yeah. cool. And I, I think too, this conversation is so interesting because in my mind, a well-structured question is a gift because it unlocks something in a way of thinking that somebody wouldn't have previously if you like give them that. And so that's actually part of the gift itself is like they're exploring areas of their brain that they, mm-hmm. they haven't done before, which is amazing. And that goes into like, I know just interacting with you, it's like that goes into nonverbal listening and like seeing when mm-hmm. somebody's not enthusiastic or excited when you feel like they should. And like, that is that those are all like indications that like, there's there's an opportunity for a really cool question. so i would I would love to I'm really excited to to expand here because one of the things that's come online for me lately is like I've gone from one-on-one conversations to like facilitation of one to many questions um and in facilitating group experiences. And I know this is part of your work today is like, you've been a part of so many masterminds and now you're kind of taking the best of all the things that you've created and translating that into your version with your question asking superpower. And so um, I would love to kind of expand in this part of the conversation. I thought a great way to start here would be, I heard you tell a story um, about a really cool, uh, situation you put someone in that got them to see a, a part of themselves that they didn't quite see in themselves. So it was a, it was a young, you told this story about this young CEO. She was like 26 years old. Mm-hmm. She built a company to like $20 million in like three years and didn't feel like she was an expert. And you kind of created, you heard and listened and saw her, but then you created a real time experience that was transformational for not only her, but the people that were involved with that. So I would love for you to share that story if you're open.
1: Oh yeah. She's amazing. She's incredible. So we'll talk about this probably a little bit later, but inside of my framework for really good masterminds, one of the things that you actually need to identify, my acronym is like making masterminds alive, right? So the acronym A-L-I-V-E instead of like dead masterminds, because we've all been to both. (laughs) And part of the alive acronym for V is value. Now you need to understand just before I jump into her story context sake, so this woman was coming to the mastermind specifically for the number one reason that her values for coming, because everyone's going to have different values of why they come to a mastermind. Some are going to come for network. Some are going to come for knowledge. Some are going to come for clients. Some are going to come for mindset. Some are going to come just for space. Like it, everyone has different values of how they put value on a mastermind or a group, a curated group experience for her at the very beginning of coming to this mastermind, she was like, there are two reasons I want to come to this mastermind. One, I want to network with some really awesome individuals that are doing what I'm doing, which is entrepreneurship, because it gets kind of isolating. And two, the reason I want to come to the mastermind is I want to start seeing myself as an expert. She'd grown her business from three million to 20 million in, no, from zero to 20 million in three years. It's incredible. Like what? Nuts. What what woman comes out of college and then just does that, right? This is her. She's just phenomenal. And I was like, okay, so how am I going to intuitively and intentionally going to create this opportunity for her to get both of those outcomes, the things that she values most in coming to a mastermind? Well, the first thought that came into my head is like she wants to be around high players to have mentors. So instead of connecting her at the mastermind to just the attendees, I'm going to specifically plant and create relationships between her and a lot of my peers that were there that were going to be some of the um, the workshop people that were incredibly genius in in their own right, whether that was like law or e-commerce or mindset or identity, like whatever it is, I'm going to ensure that those experts become her peers. And the second thing I'm going to do is somehow, in some way, it's going to come up where I can help her to see herself as an expert. So I didn't have this planned. This intuitively came up. One of the days we had something scheduled and I decided to bring her up on the couch for this mastermind and on stage. And usually I don't do this. I like to throw rocks at other masterminds for having speakers because I think speakers are what make masterminds dead because there's no energy that's transferred among the people there. They're just listening. And most of the time they're note writing and they're never going to go back to those notes. They might feel something temporarily, but nothing's changing permanently. So I was like, man, I'm going against my own rules. Like how am I going to do this? So I pulled her up on stage I was like but her objective and the objective that I really want to meet for her and everyone else in that room is she needs to be seen as an expert well the only way to be seen as an expert is if I put her in a situation where others also see her as an expert so I put her on the couch and I'm like hey raise your hand if any of you are interested in it, in a live interview of figuring out how Elise have any of you been wondering how Elise went from 0 to 20 million in 3 years They're all like, yeah, 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 me, me, me. They all raise their hands. I'm like, awesome. Well, you're going to get a lot of answers, but the answers won't matter unless you apply it to your business because there's things that you need to change that Elise has mastered that are stopping you from that 20 million. So we're going to stop and talk about that. So this 30 minute experience begins where I begin interviewing her and I start asking her questions about ins and outs about how she got from the zero to 20 million what her struggles were the lessons she learned what she did it what resources she had what skill sets she did and about every 2 minutes she would give this explosive answer that she didn't even have and i i had hired someone one of my team members to go in the back of the mastermind and start creating a framework based on her answers of what her actual unique skill set was based on what i was extracting out of her so every 2 minutes I would stop her and I'd say, okay, everyone, I want you to go look to your left and to your right. I formed them in tables and I want to say, what did you hear? It's not what she said. What did you hear? Because all of your businesses are in different places. So each of them would take like two minutes to share back and forth with each other. And then the second question, okay, what are you going to change? Again, another dialogue and discussion among each other. One like one-on-one sharing with another partner right next to them. And then I kept that going for the next 30 minutes. And by the end, Elise had a framework for how she could actually curate another revenue stream making $40 million a year by just consulting e-commerce companies on the genius that we extracted from that 30-minute interview. On top of that, we had about like all 19 well, there was 23. So 22, all other 22 participants there with the personalized and specific framework on what they needed to do for their individual business in order to catapult it forward and the things that were stopping them personally that Elise may or may not have said, but they heard and they needed to execute. And so it was like everyone walked away with money. Does that make sense? Everyone walked away with value. And it was because- It wasn't an Oprah interview where everyone's just sitting there listening for an entire 30 minutes and then going, but what about my business? Everyone's learning real time and seeing Elise and her seeing herself as the true expert that she was. She walked away from that framework and goes, I think this is the first time in my life I can actually give myself credit for the thing that I actually did and the thing that I actually built. Because before she just... The only thing that was missing was words and a framework for how she did it. But now she has that. And it's like, now you can go help any e-commerce company do what you did in the significant way that you did it.
0: That's so epic. There's so many micro layers to what happened there. I mean, it's just so cool to see that you created that in real time, just based on your observation and... I can imagine for at least specifically, it's like, I think this is like James Clear. talks about like, you know, your actions are votes for who you want to be or whatever, something along those lines. But it's like you put her in a situation where she got to witness herself be an expert in real time. And it led to identity transformation in real time. And then the other cool thing that you said that I think is brilliant and something I want to think about more, maybe you can even expand on it. It's like how you set the container and context for the audience to engage in it actively instead of, well, I think people would say actively is taking notes, but it sounds like, or it seems like the way that you set it up gave them a different context to actually see it a lot differently than that. So would you mind zooming in a little bit there? Because I think that's an intricacy that's really important.
1: No, the pre-frame is everything. It's part of my framework. How you set it up is how it's going to be executed. If you don't set it up right, like then you have, you have There is no way that you have room for any expectation of how it's going to be fulfilled. No way. Mm -hmm. The pre-frame is everything. And so it's so important, like for those people before it even began, it wasn't a, I'm going to bring Elise on stage and she's going to talk all about her business. It was, hey, a lot of you have asked and are kind of freaking out. Like some of you are at five, some of you are at 10, but you're trying to get to 20. A lot of you have asked, like, how the heck did she do that? I want to answer that question for you, not so that you can copy and model Elise's business, but that you need to find out those answers for your own business. And you're going to take the next 30 minutes to find out answers for your own business that you wouldn't have ever considered had you not been a part of this conversation. So even though it's just me and Elise on this couch, this is really you and Elise on this couch and she is instructing you and she is telling you things that are going to be secrets to what has been holding you back. And she's going to say some things, but you're also going to hear other things. And it's the other things I actually want you to write down because you know, deep down inside what's costing you money or time or energy or bravery in order to get to that 20 million. And we've got to uncover that. So as much as I'm interviewing Elise today, I'm really interviewing all of you. And this is the moment And the time to be completely vulnerable and transparent with yourself and the person that you're sitting across from. So I gave them a lot. That was the pre-frame. And I gave them a lot of, I gave them one permission to dive deep. So it wasn't just the, I'm putting on the thinking cap for how Elise did it. It was, I'm putting on the thinking cap for how I will do it. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is, it's really, really outside of the permission. It's like, We've got to figure out your business problems. Like, we've got to get to the root of why you're not doing what you're doing. Yes, I'm doing this with the least right now, but I'm what we're really doing it with is all of you. And so it was so cool because even after I would stop every five, 10 minutes and they would share their um, takeaways, I would say, Now, what questions do you have for her? And I would let them guide the conversation. And I would spend another five minutes of allowing, okay, Elise, okay, you talked about this. Like, how did you do that? I would have I would have never even bothered to ask that question because that's not where my business is at. But I let them all ask the questions that they needed also for their individual business. So and in turn, it helped Elise see that she was the expert in that moment.
0: So good. I've been, um, I have some, I have a keynote I'm giving next week and I was kind of just working on my slides. So one of the things that I started talking about is like this idea of mall flyers versus green lights. <laughs> and the idea mm-hmm. is like any, any, any time you've gone to a mall, you probably have the experience of like a flyer shoved in your face and you know how that feels and how awkward it is. And you kind of look at your phone or divert attention versus yeah. a relationship you have with a brand that's you've given the consent, you've given the green light, and you've already leaned in. It's two completely different buying experiences. And yeah. what I observed in what you were just sharing there is like you created a, uh, instead of a prescriptive-based context in which a normal mastermind would say, this is who we're listening to and this is yeah. the context. It's like assumptive. It's the green light. It, it's the mall flyer saying, this is what you're learning and sit down and learn it. Versus green light consent base, leveraging the collective wisdom of the group to buy in that yeah. in and of itself changes the entire context of how people listen. And on top of that, you pre framed it in a way it's like you, you can make gentle suggestions to where their awareness should be pointing towards right and so yeah. like, it's like the I don't know, all the different areas you were pointing in the construction of that pre-frame is just brilliant. And so is that a part of the Alive framework or was that a part outside of the Alive alive framework? Oh, it's
1: <laughs> it's absolutely a part of the Alive framework. So it's okay, actually let's... I. So integrate learnings. Like oh, okay. so many parts of masterminds, they just, and I can go into it now or later, but the integration yeah. of the learning is just, it's not happening because it's not intentional.
0: Okay. Yes. Let's absolutely go into it. We have like a, a a what's that? Why am I blanking on the TV show where you have the the words appearing? We have we have the V and the I filled out, and we need the oh. A L and oh, E. Oh yeah. What is, it? Vanna. What is that? Well, yeah, Vanna White. I'm I'm Vanna White. Wheel of Fortune. I have alive, and I have the <laughs> I and the V, and we have to fill in the rest of it. So um so maybe maybe give us the thirty thousand foot view. Like give us a thirty thousand yeah. foot view on this entire thing, and then we can kind of zoom into the individual components because I think this is brilliant.
1: Yeah. So obviously I've been to a lot of masterminds. I found some that I walked away feeling dead I walked away feeling alive at some of them. And so for the last decade, I've written down like what made some of them make me feel so alive. And this is what I've come up with. So um, the A is obviously for alive and active learning. So A is the acronym for active learning. This is not passive learning. This is not, this is where I throw rocks at the speakers, right? Yeah. concept. This is where, yeah, go
0: ahead. I love this. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt because I want to add some, some missing context gap here potentially for some people. So whether or not you have a mastermind or intending on creating a mastermind or whatever it is, I'm gonna try a pre-frame right now. Brooke, you can coach me on my pre-frame. Like, I think it's really important that you pay attention because any group format you have, maybe it's the next time you get together with a group of friend of yours, I, a group mm-hmm. of friends. I guarantee there is something in here that you can unlock that Brooke's about to share that will lead to more depth and more engagement and, and more connection. So whether it's like you're gonna bring a group of your existing clients together, whether it, you maybe you have a podcast and you curate guests together, whether you're getting together a group of friends or maybe you're creating a mastermind. I think any, any way that you are bringing human beings together. If you want to create a transformational experience, I think this is super valuable. So there's, there's my attempt at a preframe a little bit, but oh, did it mean to great. interrupt you? I just think, <laughs> I think no, it's important. And,
1: yeah. And, and honestly, it's a great preframe, and the, the framework would not actually have meaning nor people would care about it unless they knew honestly what I mentioned before that I have been, I have hosted, attended, or um, spoken at at least a hundred masterminds in my decade of entrepreneurship. And out of that decade, there were some events like the price amount actually doesn't really guarantee that you're going to walk away feeling quote unquote alive. Hmm. I've been to anywhere between $5,000 events versus $75,000 events. And I can tell you that there are key components that will help any individual paying whatever dollar amount, walking away going, that wasn't just a fleeting experience that made me feel good because I was around people, but that was a transformational experience that my life will never be the same for. Yeah. So the goal with this alive framework is to actually curate an experience, whether that's with friends, clients or a group gathering where people leave permanently changed.
0: Mm. Love that permanently
1: changed. That's the outcome with this. Okay. Um so in order to follow this i would say from a high level you have the first a which is where there's active learning instead of passive learning we have to be actually engaged in the entire process we can't be sitting in a chair listening for 3 days to 12 different speakers and thinking that that is going to change us it won't why there might be a good few quotes that you're going to learn but how often have you taken action on a quote and said that that quote actually changed your life like never. So it might inspire you, but doesn't change you. Right. So active learning versus passive learning is for a L is leveraged guaranteed success. So this is the pre-frame that you're talking about is unless you have the way that you talk about it is how you guarantee success. So if I said, Brandon, like, um, I really want you to, I think you should absolutely come to a dinner party tonight. And the reason for it is, I think when you meet so-and-so, it's going to change your life specifically in that you were talking recently about how you're really struggling with um, scaling your profit margins with ensuring that the quality of what you do for your clients is going to stay the same. I don't know. I just made that up. But let's say that that's the problem. I'd say, okay, so Brandon is going to be at dinner tonight. And I can literally guarantee that you're going to find the answer in that conversation based on his own of genius. And I can help you to already see that this is going to be worth your time. Leverage guaranteed success, guys. Pre-frame the experiences people are going to have. So they're already viewing it from a mindset of, I'm going to get wa- way more than I'm going to actually give in this environment. The preframe is Everything and how you curate and talk about that preframe is everything. Um, but leverage guaranteed success. There's always going to be some pointers or patterns or people that you can use to guarantee success for another person in that room or that experience. Leverage mm-hmm. it before it even happens so that their mindset going in is, I'm going to pounce on this opportunity and is going to be the thing. And then everything else is a bonus. Mm-hmm. The, the I is for integrate learnings, right? So this is where so many masterminds happen where like there's so much discussion, there's conversations, there's content, there's dialogue, there's insights, there's new business ventures. There's a lot of things that can happen in a, at a mastermind. But how often are we taking timeouts? one hour, every half hour, every two hours to integrate our learnings and help other people be conscious of those. So integrating learnings has everything to do with raising the overall awareness of the attendees there. It's okay. So I call, I've called them cha in the past. When I gather masterminds to scale businesses, which I don't do anymore, I would always say, okay, so it's been an hour. What is your cha and how much money mm-hmm. do you put on that? Right. What's the insight that you got? What's the conversation? Who's the partner? And how much is that going to be worth? Mm. They're integrating their learnings as they go so that it's not just that the awareness hopefully comes after they leave. Mm, V is... Oh, go ahead. I've
0: seen... I'm just going to say, I've seen another example of this that I think Genius Network does this really well. They call them elegant ideas. It's like they have like a notebook specifically for you capturing it. And it's like... It is another version in my mind of guaranteed success because it's like unless you've pointed people to the results that they've already had or given them time and space to understand and let that sink in and have that come to their own awareness, yes. they're not they're not going to do that on their own. So that's that's another beauty that I I observe there through your cha-chings, and I like the like <laughs> I like the chichings.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, and then V is value awareness. So I already went through this with Elise. It's it's just, you need to understand that different people have different values and they're coming to rooms for different reasons. And unless you know those reasons, you can't actually manipulate and intentionally curate the types of experiences or the value that they want to show up there. Imagine if I had, and and often, oftentimes it's really important to just do one mastermind with everyone that has the all the same value. Like, for example, right now, I have a mastermind and I know that the value of all the attendees, no matter what revenue per like dollar amount that they're at, which there is a threshold, whatever that is, all of them value one thing and that's network. They know that their network is their net worth. So their number one value for all of them across the board, I don't even have to guess, is that I'm coming to this mastermind. To get to know other people and to curate JV's collaborations, partnerships, or my next thing that I can do with either them or someone in their network, but people, right? So like, and I think values change. I think that, you know, at the very beginning of a mastermind, it's like, you know, your value might be when you're starting business. I I just want to go to like meet people like me, you know, and that's like the mindset. It's like, I'm going to go to meet people like me. And then the value might upgrade and it might change to be like, no, I want to go to a mastermind to like learn. There are specific gaps in my business that I just don't know. Traffic and conversion. Like I'm going to go there. I'm going to learn about different marketing tools in order to skyrocket my business. Uh, Next, it might go past knowledge now and we might go to network. I am going to go to a mastermind now because I know that people and relationships are business opportunities and money doesn't have money. People have money. So the only way that I can increase my money is to be with people in a room that have money and that can help me grow mine. So value awareness is so important with individuals. Um, And then obviously E is the last one and that's elevate frequency. The best thing that you can do in a mastermind room is to make sure that you have literally a standard for frequency. And what I mean by that is um, if you have different frequencies for different people that have paid different amounts, different people that are on different playing fields, maybe one has just exited a business, maybe one is just starting a business, let's give that example, that is going to be a disaster. And I will tell you why right now. It's because you have to make sure that There is a common denominator among all of your people so that people do not leave disappointed and they will leave disappointed, not because of what they know about the other person's bank account number, but because of what the energy that they feel in that room. Energy energy speaks way louder than words. And if if you have not curated a standard for frequency for your mastermind of these are the types of people, this is like... As Ben Hardy would say, the floor that's going to be my floor for my mastermind of the people that are coming, it will be a disaster because you're going to have so many people across all different boards. And managing that energy in a room is one of the hardest things to do if they're across the board.
0: Wow. All right, guys. So I was taking notes for you. So if you're driving and you don't have access to it, I got A for active learning versus passive. L for leverage, guarantee, success. I for integrate learnings. V for values and awareness. And E for elevate frequency. So I'm sure you could do a masterclass on each one of those characteristics. <laughs> there's there's another like small. Uh, we're we're coming up on time here. Um, there's one small insight that I think is really important to pull. And then I actually want to do something really fun that I've never done before. So I'll plant a, a really strange seed before um there. <laughs> but um you had shared something in the panel that's related to this. And I think this is a breakthrough for me is mm-hmm. um, feeling Oh, like comfortable with serving people that may actually be at different levels than you are. So this is something that I've struggled with in the past is like, you know, I was just, especially, I mean, even now, and especially when I started too, it's like, I'm interviewing some really successful people and mm-hmm. I never felt like I could actually serve people at that level. And I had to step into a different identity that empowered me to do that. And I think if we, can shatter, if we can shatter this glass for some more people. um, I think this is really important. So I'd love for you to maybe share some of the insights that you've had along the way of uh, stepping into that identity to serve people, even if they may be uh, quote unquote ahead in different contexts.
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. And I'll answer it through the E framework of elevate elevate frequency, because this has everything to do with your own frequency and your healthy deserve levels. So in terms of frequency, so There was a guy, I'll, I'll tell this through a story. There was a guy that I met one time at a mastermind. And as I was serving the room, hearing about different people's experiences and learning about them, I was like, this guy does not fit here. What is he doing here? I could just tell that he was on a completely different level than most of us. So after the mastermind, I said, Hey, we should connect. And he said, yeah, sure. So we get on a call and I said, Hey, Bob, can I ask you a question? He says, yeah. I said, I, I want to be really honest. And this might be a, a, a really harsh judgment. It might be a very poor assumption, but I'm willing to be wrong. He says, what's that? I said, what were you doing in that room? He says, Oh, and he knew exactly what I meant. He said, That was the poorest decision I could have ever made. Like, and and notice the word poor. He says, that yeah. was the poorest decision I could have ever made. I said, tell me about that. And he says, well, I know it. And he's like, and I'm not saying this from a place of ego, but I was giving the entire time I wasn't receiving. And he's like, because I couldn't receive because I was the teacher. And I thought about that and I thought, wow, how significant is this? What if you intentionally in your life, put yourself in rooms and environments with people where you were always the dumbest person in the room. Better yet, Brooke, what if you created and curated an experience where everyone felt like they were the dumbest person in the room? Just based on the character, the values, the attributes, the frequency of the people being invited, and how important it is for us, not only for our rooms, but our personal lives, to have different standards and to be okay and recognize that you're actually going to get Richer in terms of relationships, money, status like whatever you're going for. If you allow yourself to say, It's actually the best thing in my life to be the dumbest person in any room. And anytime I find myself being the smartest person in a room, I know I'm in the wrong room and I've got to change that. And I'm in a place in my life where I need more ego rubbing than I do some transformational changing and upgrading. So I think to answer your question, I think it's just marketing would tell us that we only serve the avatar that like is 10 years ahead of us and, or that we're 10 years ahead of in experience and time and money. But I would venture to say, Brandon, there are very few people that can ask and do the thing that you can do for those people at that high level. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just think What a value and what a contribution you're making to shift your identity and to be in a space, especially in a podcast where you're like, I'm going to interview people that are better, smarter, have more life experience, and have curated and taken out and extracted lessons that I will never learn just because I'm not there yet. How many hours, how much time, how much money, how many relationships are you going to cut off? in your life because you prioritize being the dumbest person in your life instead of the smartest person it's it's phenomenal especially with rooms if you can curate the right room where you can be in a place where you are the dumbest person you literally shave off decades you sh- you literally infuse massive amounts of dollar amounts in your bank account and you create relationships that you would have never that would have never mm-hmm. have, have ever changed you otherwise like this mm. this is so crucial in our identity is being around people that are bet that are better and bigger than that. us
0: A 100 percent, and it's it's absolutely transformed my life to always be i've, I've always been uh the dumbest person in the room which i love <laughs> which is amazing and and i think too it is also a question too where it's like when everybody feels like they're the dumbest in the room if everybody's operating inside of their zone of genius you should feel that way because there's no way that you could be operating inside of somebody else's zone of genius and therefore whenever you're having a conversation in the zone of genius like there's no way that that could ever be matched because that's unique to everybody I, but this is something that I, I'm tempted to not ask this just because of time, but I want to ask this. How does this juxtapose between the elevate frequency conversation and this one? Because to me, it seems like they're slightly contradictory, but in my mind, they are very similar. So how do you, how mm. do you cure Like if you're, if, if the intention is that, you know, the elevate frequency, everybody has to be on the same level, but then we're also talking about like making sure that people are way ahead of you. How do you kind of balance between those two different, potentially different thoughts?
1: Energy. So I can have someone that is um, energy and potential, I would say. So I could have someone that is, let's say, for example, my mastermind that's doing 20 million a year, and I can have someone that's just doing 2 million a year. Now, is that going to bring down the lowest denominator for my mastermind? And if so, why? And if not, why? I would say no, and here's why. What it takes to get to 2 million is the same uh, that takes to get to 20 million, and that's going to be energy, intention, and mindset. And so if I can gauge, but I can also gauge that like someone at 2 million could bring down the energy of the room and the frequency of the room versus someone that's at 20 million based on their intention – you could take one person that's in scarcity at 2 million and one person that's in abundance at 2 million and have completely different mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah. So you have to not only gauge the bank account, but you also have to gauge the character and the intention. Because I've seen a lot of people in massive abundance that change from 2 to 20 million just like that. I've also seen people that at, are at 2 million that are completely scared out of their mind. They're operating in some type of scarcity. They're only come to acquire clients and not real relationships. And they have no idea what they even, what, what even got them to where they're at in their life. That is going to destroy the entire room. Mm. And so I think it's not just gauging the, uh, cause I love your question. It's not just gauging, okay, what is the, the, um, the floor that we're looking at to make sure that everyone is above this certain level. But that level has to consist not only of numbers, it has to consist of intention, future self, where they're going, and their their energy.
0: I love that. I love that answer. That's fantastic. If There's so many nuances into that that I love so much. So Brooke, I want to be respectful of your time. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a choose your own adventure and whether whatever adventure you choose from this point is totally fine. If you got to go, I get, understand you got to go. But um, what I was thinking is prior to this conversation, I sent our mutual friend, Jonna, a message. And I was like, Jonna, mm-hmm. Brooks coming on the show. What should I ask her? And she sent me this epic audio. So I was gonna like play the audio of Jana for you to hear her, and she can kind of guide part of our conversation. That's option one. Option two is I took us right up to time, and we got to wrap up. So I'm totally fine with to the way I understand. You might have other stuff going on. So where do you what 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 is available for today?
1: <laughs> I love Jana. Let's listen to the audio. This is awesome and super creative.
0: Yeah. So I was like, I was listening to this. I was like, this is so good. So uh, never before done. So I'm gonna share my sound and I'm going to share my screen too. And then I'll pull up the, uh, otter that I had of, of <laughs> this. So hopefully this gets recorded. Otherwise, um, we'll insert this somewhere else. But, um, so this is our mutual friend, Johnna Lee. And I was like, what should I talk to Brooke about? And there's one thing that she pointed out in here that I thought would be interesting to ask. So that's where we'll go from here. But, um, okay. I'll also, I'll do a little bit of increased speed. So if you're listening to the podcast already on increased speed, uh, I guess you get hyper speed right now. But here's Jana.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, Brooke is amazing. I'm so excited for this. And it's funny because she also reached out to me and was like, yo, I'm interviewing Brandon. Like, what you So so good? Okay. So um, I already told Brooke all of your zones of genius, so she's coming in really excited about that. Um, vice versa, Brooke's skill sets. So her background is just as an absolutely world class and super heart centered closer. But that, that is her kind of zone of genius skill set is sales, um, and she does amazing things with sales that I haven't seen anybody else ever do. So anything in that area or topic that you think your audience would find value add, she's an absolute expert there. Um, what she is like recently really passionate about as well um, is uh, masterminds and events. So I know you guys have things to talk about there, and I've already put that planted that seed on her radar in terms of how she could be incorporating some of your genius into her events. Um, but specifically, she is um, launching. series of masterminds for people who are in what she calls like their their second wind like they've done the thing that made them really successful they built that initial business and they are looking at what is next they've reached this kind of midpoint or transitionary moment in their career um, and she's building uh, really high-end and like relationship-centric uh events towards that avatar um and that is really like brooke is a very heart-centered individual um and really sees sales and like economic well-being for all as her love language and like how she is able to support people um not by being their closer, which is what she used to do, but now by, like, bringing amazing people together who can create wealth and abundance for there being a relationship between the two of them, how they can help each other out, how they can support each other, how they can make magic together. Um, so, yeah, anything along the lines of, um, like, she's, she is amazing at very quickly finding somebody's zone of genius, very quickly seeing what is special and unique about them. Um, and both of you guys do a great job of this and, like, connecting, being a super connector and presenting people to each other in such a way that they're able to make magic happen. Um, the final skill set that I have seen her display that is absolutely magnificent is that she is just fantastic at, like, A, identifying the zone of genius, and then B, reverse engineering that into an offer stack. So, like, I've seen her take somebody who, like, ran a successful business but didn't really know what they were an expert at, and in the course of an hour, um, build out, here's what your high-ticket mastermind could look like, here's what your coaching program could look like, here's what your, uh, you know, your book could look like, here's what your low-ticket community could look like. Like, she um, is amazing at productizing expertise and helping people recognize their own sellable genius um, in a way that maybe they didn't even realize they had the potential to do. So that is just sort of my top of mind riff and brain dump about Brooke. Let me know if that helps or if you have any other questions for me.
1: Well, we all need a John in our back pocket, don't
0: we? <laughs> right. Jana, shout out. Uh, love you. My 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 sister that literally could physically look like my sister. We were just talking about that ahead of time. So um I think what Jana outlined in that is like I mean, we covered some of that already in the conversation, but we also have a lot more to explore. But if I had to pick one, the one thing I was really interested in that I think is one of the most valuable lessons that anyone can ever learn is identifying their zones of genius. So Mm -hmm. that was one thing that Jana picked out as like a skill set of yours. And I think that you've done the work on yourself to identify it and Mm -hmm. you were able to do it in others. So I was curious if you can maybe share a little bit about how you have thought about identifying it for yourself and then potentially how you reflect that or identify that in others.
1: Mm. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, it's why I was pretty successful in sales too, is my number one objective in any relationship, whether that's with myself or other people is to help them see things as they really are. And as they really can be, and part of seeing things as they really are, is seeing themselves as they really are. And so I've learned to do that through reflecting on, you know, if I were to extract all of the experiences, all the, um, natural, inclinations I had towards different industries, professions, why I did what I did, I would start to see patterns of like, this just keeps coming up. For example, I've been doing masterminds off and on for like 10 years. I avoided it for an entire decade of just immersing myself and going all in on curating these events. One, because I'm not an event planner. And two, because I I never was intentional about my network, my first five years of entrepreneurship. And so, and network is everything for these high, high level rooms. I always wanted like, if I was going to host my own room, because I always did co-hosting, like everyone's like, Hey, will you come and host this room for me? It's like, it's gotta be the best, you know, but going back to your question of like zones of genius, I think it's really important to sit with yourself and extract. Okay if someone were to ask, what are the top 10 stories of my life? What stories would I tell? And from those stories, you're going to see patterns of like who you were when you showed up in that story, what you showed up like and why you love doing what you loved doing in that moment. You're going to see patterns of what you're naturally gifted at. You're going to see patterns of how you move the needle for yourself and other people in ways that no one else could. Because zones of genius aren't just about what you're good at, Zones of genius are you're good at something and do it in a way that no one else does. It's unique. And so I think if someone were to try to identify their zone of genius, one, I would say list out the stories, list out the patterns, list out the experiences, list out the motivations, list out um, what lights you up and you would do if you didn't even have to get paid for it. You're going to find some really cool answers in that. And then I would pay a friend or a consultant to literally sit down for an hour and ask you questions about why those things are meaningful and create a framework for what has been there all along, but you've just never immersed yourself in, in terms of utilizing that zone of genius, not to just bless people's lives, but to get paid for.
0: Oh my gosh hell yeah uh everybody go do that that was epic list out just I'll make it super stupid simple like list out those 10 stories and like I would probably say don't ask your like sibling or parents like ask ask someone that's slightly more removed like I did this process with my good friend Demetrius who's just a great question asker so like find that close friend of yours that knows you, but they're going to find a different level of you and just share those stories and have them reflect back at you. I think that 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 exercise I've actually completed and it has been transformational. So I love, love that that showed up for you. So amazing. Uh, Brooke. Thank you. This has been epic. I knew time would fly. It's always crazy to look at like time in, in the context of a conversation about curiosity. So normally I'd ask a question about curiosity, but we've been talking about curiosity this entire time. So really there's a very simple question I have left to ask. And that is where could people find out about all the incredible stuff that you are up to? I know you lost a pod, You launch a new podcast. You also have yeah. your mastermind that's coming up. Talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I have a podcast called After Success It's really stripping out all of the lessons that people learned behind closed doors after they did the big thing. It's just really insightful that not many people talk about. So you can go listen there. I'm on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then, yeah, I have a mastermind for people that really have been quote unquote successful. They've done the thing that they were set out to do. And now they're just trying to figure out their second act, but they want to build their tribe, their network. And they want to be in a room with really, really high level people. So I have something called The Last Mastermind. You can find it at thelastmastermind.com. Find out exactly what I do, how I do it, and what kind of people are in the room. And yeah, we'll get connected there. But super, super grateful to be on the show today. It's been a blast.
0: Yeah, it's epic. I'm just going to Really quickly, obviously, we'll have that all linked up in the show notes, go check out both the mastermind and the podcast. But I'm just going to really quickly have a conversation with you listening. And I just want to say, you could be listening to any other podcast, you could be there's so many other podcasts with so many other human beings, but you chose this one, something stuck out and you're still listening, which means that you got a lot of value in our conversation today. So my ask is that if you have heard something that has made an impact on you, whether it was the hilarious story from the very beginning of Brooke asking a random stranger about menopause, <laughs> or maybe it was the alive framework, or maybe it was something about the way that she pre-framed questions. There's absolutely something in here that can transform someone if they implement it. And that person could be sitting inside of your phone contacts right now. So so if you take a second to share it with them, it would make my day, it would make Brooke's day. And um, man, whether you choose to do that or not, I appreciate you so much for listening. And Brooke, any final things you want to say before we head off for today?
1: Just keep listening to Brandon. You, you, <laughs> Anyone that listens to Brandon is going to be really, really good and, and in a good place in their life because <laughs> you're just phenomenal at what you're doing. You're in your zone. It's, it's truly a gift to be on your podcast and you're doing what you've, you're meant to do. I can tell you that right now.
0: Truly, really, truly appreciate that. Really, really, really appreciate that. Thank you, Brooke. I appreciate you and your time and we'll talk to you soon, my friend.
1: Bye.